This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. It's uh, Kevin Riley here, and welcome to Irish Time here on the, the Manawatu People's Radio Station here in Palmerston North, the best community station in the province, as they say. And uh, it's been going for a while, and it's worth uh, passing it on if you're talking to any of your friends, you know, listen to Irish Time, which I'll be doing. But there's lots of other <coughs> different sort of ethnic groups that uh, take part on multitude of issues. So just, uh, you know, it's worth listening to. Okay, if you're driving along, you just want something different, not to listen to bloody adverts all the time. But anyway, here we go. This is, uh, I'm just going to read this out as it comes. I've been sort of had a busy morning, and I haven't had time to put it in any sort of order. Anyway, what have we got here? Uh, this will not surprise you. Northern Ireland, the Scotland Bridge, which he spoke about ages ago, has been scrapped. Plans to build a bridge between uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland have been ruled out due to forecast, forecast costs and engineering challenges. A study examining if uh, such a uh, project was possible is expected to advise against proceeding with any proposal when it is released next week. Uh, the BBC understands the government will agree with the, the report's recommendations. This was uh, Bojo, Boris Johnson, one of his ideas. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been a vocal supporter of uh, a fixed link between Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, the Telegraph first reported uh, that transport expert Sir Peter Henry, who was asked by the government to examine connections between the different parts of the UK, had concluded the project was not uh, currently viable. A government source said uh, Sir Peter had examined the cost of a fixed uh, length in Northern Ireland and found it would be technically very challenging at this point in time. Uh, that's not to say it won't become valuable at some point in the future, but at the moment it is very, very difficult and expensive. The Department for uh, Transport told the BBC, we don't, recommend, uh, we don't comment on speculation. The Union con- Connectivity Review will be published shortly. Plans for some kind of uh, link between Northern Ireland and Scotland stretch back as far as 1890. 1890s, wow. Democratic Unionist Party uh, revived the idea in 2015. General uh, Election Manifesto, uh, Mr Johnson had previously described the bridge as a very interesting idea. Some experts su- uh, suggested that such a project would cost 15 million, 15 billion, not million, billion pounds, while others have said that it was more cl- closer to 20 billion. And that, would, that was just a conservative estimate as well. So it's a long way to go before it ever becomes anything. Uh, two potential routes for a link were suggested from Port Patrick to Larne or near uh, Campbelltown to the Antrim coast. In September, Northern Ireland's infrastructure minister, Nicola Mallon, said the destruction of a 20 billion, 20 billion fixed bridge or three tunnels and a roundabout under the sea had finally put it to bed. I think Brexit's got to be we'll come into this as well. But the uncertainty that is. Uh, the Boris Bridge uh, idea attracted a considerable amount of scorn, but also had its supporters. The DUP was keen on the idea and could point to similar projects like the Hong Kong uh, Jehu crossing, a 34-mile uh, combination of bridge and tunnel across the Pearl River Delta. But Stormont's infrastructure minister, uh, Nicola Mallon, was exasperated by the idea, calling it a distraction. Now that a fixed link has been ruled out, attention will turn to the substance of the Union Connectivity Review. On both sides of the Irish Sea, there were uh, more mundane projects which could deliver economic uh, benefits if they were funded properly. 
So the bridge is not going to happen, I would sing. But I also think, like I said earlier, you know, Brexit will be pe- playing its part in, in to some degree because it's, uh, you know, they're not in trouble, but the uh, expenses they're having to come across but find the, the money. Right, well, okay. Northern Ireland exports to the Republic uh, set to exceed, exceed $3 billion. The volume of Northern Ireland goods exported to the Republic is on course to pass $3 billion, uh, this year. Uh, that's that's euros. That's about two two and a half billion, uh, you know, British sterling pounds. Export to the Republic of Ireland were two point eight billion in the first nine months of this year, up sixty percent on the same period last year. Figures from Ireland's Central Statistics Office also showed continued growth in Irish exports to Northern Ireland. They were up forty eight percent on the year in the first nine months to just under two point six billion pounds. Meanwhile, data revisions by uh, the same organisation suggest that cross-country goods trade in previous years was higher than previously understood. The reverse figures suggest Northern Ireland exports to the Republic were worth about $2.4 billion in both 19, uh, 2019 and 2020, compared to the previous estimates of, of $1.7 billion. Wow, that's quite a, a substantial increase. Uh, they also said some traders had previously incorrectly reported that trading partners such as Great Britain were in fact uh, having a little effect on Northern Ireland. However, it said the issue in cross-border trade can only cannot uh, simply be put down to measurement issues, whatever that's supposed to mean. Where a large increase in trade with Northern Ireland was recorded since uh, the start of 2021, the data had been uh, queried with traders. In many cases, the increases are explained by changes in the supply chain which has taken over the world as supply chain, thanks to the pandemic. Since the Northern Ireland Protocol began operating there in January, it has become more and more difficult for businesses in either, either part of Ireland to import goods from the UK. Northern Ireland has remained in the EU's single market, as we all know, which means that products arriving from uh, Great Britain are subject to new checks and controls. And that's an ongoing battle still. Goods arriving from uh, the UK into the Republic face similar processes. However, goods... A goods trade across the Irish border remains as if uh, as if before Brexit, with no checks or uh, controls whatsoever. That appears to be prompting some businesses to secure more product on the island of Ireland where they can go, rather than from the UK. So it's between Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic. It's just kind of quite simply business as usual, which is good. And this is a big issue, not just in Ireland, but I think, you know, in most parts of Europe and the world, present the price of the cost of petrol. Motorists in Dublin and surrounding counties are today facing major disruptions as a result of a protest by lorry and truck drivers against uh, rising fuel prices. In the early hours of this morning, a group uh, naming itself the Irish Truckers Haulage Association against fuel prices. That's a bit of a mouthful, Kevin. Descended on the capital, calling it for uh, calling for lower fuel costs at the pump and at home, and for the government to, to address the nation on this cause. Streets uh, surrounding Leinster House have been blocked off by the, the police, as protesters had planned to travel towards uh, the, the the Doyle, the, the government. Excuse me, the government office with a Facebook page for the group listed meeting points on the M1, M2, M. M3, M4 and M7 and the M11 motorway before heading towards the capital. Posting on social media, the anonymous organisers of the account have been have called for protesters to be peaceful and said, if we don't get a change, don't get change, a lot of small operators will be out of business sooner rather than later. I think something like petrol and, you know, it's kind of out of the, out of the, well, the connection with government, I think it's out of their control in many ways. 
and this, you know, just you drive less. They also said this is for the people of Ireland. We are all suffering some more than others, and that if we do not get an answer, they will be back in, in bigger numbers a week before Christmas, which is not far away. The organizers said they are, they are owners and operators of uh, both large goods vehicles and heavy goods vehicles and have not disclosed uh, who they are so that the protest cannot be stopped. It is unclear as yet when the protest will uh, conclude, but the latest update from the the police this morning, this was last week, by the way, advised that a slow-moving convoy is causing significant disruption travelling northbound between uh, Blatcher Town and Ballymun. So they really are, it's just like the farmers' protest here, just causes a lot of inconvenience, basically. According to the AA, average price for unleaded uh, petrol is now 172, uh, 172.6 cents per litre, while diesel now is 16.3 cents per litre, the highest since the AA started recording filling, st- uh, filling, filling prices in 1991. It goes back a few years. The Irish uh, Road Haulage Association has distanced itself from the group organising the protesting in a statement, HGV Ireland, Limited that they would like to make it clear that it has no affiliation whatsoever with this group, etc., etc. So, uh, yep, the Grace Group has uh, copied and uh, pasted to their social media page press statements and sentence of radio interviews from uh, from our president, and have copied and pasted our logo from one of our members' news news articles. They are posting these um, items to their social media site without knowing. The, the fullness of detail, the, you know, there's a real lack of detail of this thing. This is a French group and has nothing to do whatsoever with the Irish Road Haulage Association. So it's just, I think people just had enough. And it's coming up to Christmas as well and, uh, you know, people do a lot more travelling, you know, catching up with family, etc., etc., you know, moving around, even though Christmas over in Europe is completely different here. Here it's summer holidays. In Europe it's mostly people just, you know, just the Christmas period, people have a, you know, maybe get a week off. It is a holiday period, yeah, but not the summer, obviously. And it's a very, uh, yeah, you know, five or ten days, maybe a little bit longer. New uh, Christmas Day and New Year's, and then it's back to normal. Whereas, like I said, over here, it's summer holidays. And, and from memory, you know, things generally, New Zealand just shuts down, really, in January. Anyway, and get on to something more serious. Uh, this is uh, the Ulster Hospital, which is there in an area called Dundonald in Belfast. And it's uh, it's pretty grim. Uh, what have I got here? Earlier this week, Northern Health Service Mary Louise Connolly spent six hours in the emergency department at the Ulster Hospital. The nurses moved around, fixing blankets and pulling curtains to protect patients' dignity. At every turn, there was a sick person waiting to be seen or to be admitted into onto a ward. At the peak, 134 people were waiting in a department that originally housed 65 bedded cubicles. Due to COVID, there are now more uh, several separate areas under one roof. Some patients sit in proper waiting rooms, others are in corridors with their babies wrapped in blankets on their laps, while others lie on trolley beds. Older women uh, peer out from underneath cl- clutched blankets. Younger patients are just scrolling on their phones. Patients sit socially distanced alongside each other. A staff story about delivering medication, applying IV drips and taking temperatures. Every available space, it would seem, has been transformed into an additional waiting area where everyone seems to be waiting. It is overwhelming to watch. Some patients tell me that they've been sitting on the same chair since the previous evening. They had eaten breakfast, lunch and dinner on that spot. Wow. 
As I write, I learn uh, one person has spent a second night in the same seat, 20, 29 hours and counting. An elderly woman screams behind a, a curtain as a nurse attempts to move her. It's pretty grim, grim, grim. And it puts our system into some kind of perspective, you know, because it's all right saying it's in Europe, but, you know, population sizes are very similar. At 10, a, at 10 p.m., rather, heads lift with the comfort smell of toast. I wonder who will uh, feed these patients. Staff are few on the ground, as well as very sick adults or very sick children. The door to the room where they've cared for it is adored with pictures of unicorns wearing masks. <laughs> Inside, it's not. Uh, uh, it's no fairy tale kingdom. As parents cr- cradle coughing toddlers here, struggling with high temperatures. About sixty-five children are treated in this tiny children's department each day. Twenty-two thousand a year. I witnessed one child being moved into an, uh, near a cram with adults. Her mum is with her and, her and a space is found behind a curtain. Uh, next spring, the plan is to move this unit into a brand new building. In the, it is in the here and now, so many things are wrong with this system. It is beyond broken. Uh, but despite everything, staff are delivering safe and dignified care. They ask me to make sure to advise people to continue to come to the emergency department if they need treatment. So that's... Uh, that is pretty, pretty grim. We've got something else here. Uh, where is it? Uh, I'll find it later. Anyway, on to a bit more cheerful news here. A Christmas cracker. Belfast crime, the sixth most festive city in the United Kingdom. If you're already in the festive spirit, it could be because Belfast has just been ranked sixth most Christmassy destination in the United, K- United Kingdom, and the proof is in the pudding. According to research by Christmas Tree World, wow, Christmas Tree World, uh, the city uh, the city spent one hundred forty nine thousand seven hundred forty four pounds on Christmas decorations, and the lights were switched on there. The figure uh, was beaten by Glasgow, which spent four hundred ninety-eight thousand pounds. Manchester three hundred seventy-three, and Leeds two seventy-seven. This is just street lighting and you know a Christmas tree outside the city hall. Usually, quite a large amount of money. But thanks to all the factors, including annual uh, Google searches for Christmas trees, Christmas uh, lights switch on date and festival hashtag mentions, Belfast claim its spot as a number one, as number six rather, on the list of most festive towns in the, in the, the UK. Manchester came out uh, below them. But uh, the Christmas tree in Belfast usually comes from donated by someone in Oslo, you know, the government. Uh, donate that to the city of Belfast every year. It's just a gigantic big tree. And when I was living there, they used to have, you know, it was, now it's all kind of, you know, snow white and seven doors, but they used to have a, a thing called a grotto, you know, about, you know, Jesus, Mary and Joseph and et cetera, et cetera, and the baby Jesus, which is kind of, uh, you know, history now. But that used to be there every year and the tree was really, it was large and the light was really well lit up and it was a real treat to the eye, you know. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, da, 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 what, what are we doing here? Uh, done that a bit about Belfast. And this is something that I really was touched my heart. You know, still decent people in the world. Uh, uh, this is a, a Belfast pediatrist who left Australia uh, to die feet first into charitable work. Elderly and middle-aged uh, people who have fallen on hard times are among the homeless and among the homeless queuing for help at a new pediatric outreach service in Belfast. A man of 90, yes, 90, Another who hadn't taken his shoes off in months for fear they would be stolen. Wow. 
And yet another who was wearing shoes, one size too small, are among the many, many people seeking treatment from uh, country down podiatrist uh, Catherine Jones, Kate. Kate, who also runs a special clinic for people on benefits and low income, uh, bought a minibus and ripped the seats out to create out, uh, an outreach service for the homeless. That's why this guy, he was you know, worried about his shoes being stolen. He's obviously homeless. It is just one of many ambitious projects she aims to set up to help both the homeless and young people in her hometown of Newtonards, which is not far away from Belfast, you know. Kate grew up, uh, give up rather, give up the good life in Australia nine months ago to uh, come home and devote herself to voluntary work. The 42-year-old Pradas was set up inspired greatness, a bit address clinic with a difference. She aims to use her premises in the town's uh, Francis Street as a drop-in centre for teenagers and also established a group to help tackle youth mental health issues. But it is her work with low-income families and the homeless where she has really made her mark. Kate says she has been moved to tears by the plight of the homeless, visiting her twice-monthly clinic in Belfast. A mobile clinic visits Belfast Tomb Street. It is in the city centre, Tomb Street. On the first Friday of every month in Amelia Street on the third every Tuesday also in the city centre. And my plan is to take all take it all over Northern Ireland, wherever it is needed. We have up to a, uh, 14 people attending each clinic, and they all get a, a care pack with clean socks, underwear, and toiletries. Good honour. Uh, one guy that came to see me and didn't want to show his, take his shoes off because he never had them off before, and he was afraid someone was going to steal them. Like I said, homeless. Another uh, was wearing shoes which were size too small and were digging into his toes. He had all the clothes he owned on his back, two pairs of, and he had two pairs of jeans and three tops, and that's all he had in the whole world, all wrapped up in a shopping bag. It is all I can do. All I can do is cry. It's heartbreaking, and I just want to feel we're doing something, uh, very little, but there is so much more that needs to be done, and I feel like I'm trying to do my little bit for uh, people less fortunate than myself. On hearing of her work, people have started to don't make uh, leave donations into the clinic. So the, often the pediatric bus has now started to bring clothes and even food to its patients. Kat is currently working hard to raise money to bring a, a busload of homeless people from Belfast to Newton Ards to join up to 500 other people for a, a four-course a four dinner, Christmas dinner. Isn't that really neat of her? Last weekend, she completed a mammoth-sponsored 250-mile bike, uh, bike race with just one break for, for 40 minutes to have a sleep, raising uh, to 1,200 pounds. No, 1,012, yeah, 1,200 pounds. And she also staged a gallop ball in Belfast, last, uh, in Belfast there last week to, uh, you know, boost funding. I just think it's really people, I guess, God's children, good, decent people. I like to think most of us do have those kind of, that, you know, those kind of, that depth, that humanity, that common thread of character keeps, connects all of us. A remarkably selfless woman, she gave up she gave up a home business and her two teenage children, Jordan nineteen and Lenny sixteen, with their father in Australia nine year, uh, nine months ago to establish inspired greatness. She experienced it was all because of a dream. Twenty years ago, I had a dream of establishing a youth drop-in centre in my hometown, but it never happened. A couple of years ago, I had the dream again, and all the memories of what I w- I'd hoped to do came flocking back, and I realised that this is what I had to do. I'd lived in Australia for twelve years and moved. Home nine months ago, I started uh, the organisation uh, while I was still in Australia, but opened the pediatric clinic and wellbeing centre in May. I couldn't open the, the, the drop-in centre because of COVID, but we are now hoping to launch it next next month. 
I just want to create. I just want to create a safe place for young teenagers to come after school with their friends and chill out, and hopefully, then uh, start to offer different courses and help them build up uh, the very best, you know, the very best lives for themselves. Give them some sort of vision. I've also teamed up with Aware Northern Ireland to facilitate a mental health support group for 18 to 30 year olds, which will run in the in the centre every other Wednesday. God has brought me through a lot of stuff in my life, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. I just want to live my life helping others uh, to be their best selves. So good on you, Kent. We need more people like you, like I said. What else have I got here? Right. Uh, still on a sort of, uh, you know, cost of living sort of theme. The first and deputy uh, first ministers, This again, this is uh, in Northern Ireland. Assembly members on the executive uh, Office Committee have called on the First and Deputy First Minister to establish a task force to help combat the rising cost of living in Northern Ireland and in the rest of uh, Europe as well, but particularly in the UK. It's gone up, you know, it's really the highest it's been for something like 10 to 12 years, the last time I looked at any figures. The politicians back to call on Wednesday from the SDLP uh, member, uh, Sinead McLaughlin, to urge the executive to establish a task force. The committee agreed to write to Paul Given and uh, Michelle O'Neill, with the aim of, of a body being established. Oh, well, that's a start. On Friday, Power Northern Ireland became the largest uh, energy provider to announce a major price hack. This gives you an indication. A major price hack with prices set to rise by 21.4% on January the 1st. Happy New Year. Yeah. The equivalent of an extra uh, £2.50 a week. And that's you know, it's a reasonable increase. It, all, it, fo- it also follows a major surge in uh, energy prices for customers in Northern Ireland in recent months. Only last week, Firmus Energy announced a 38% increase for 55,000 gas customers, a move that will see their annual bill double in a year. Double in a year, wow. Northern Ireland's third largest electricity supplier, Budget Energy, is putting prices up by 29% from this, fr- this coming from uh, tomorrow, you know, next Friday, sorry. And uh, it's uh, the fourth increase this year. While SSE, Ettrick City's 162,000 domestic customers are facing a 9% increase this week. And it's a third price rise since 2021. Ms. McLaughlin said the call to establish the task force is part of an urgent action which needs to be taken. I'm glad the committee has backed my call for a cost of living task force. (coughs) Pardon me. And we need to see uh, the Joint First Minister's move on this as soon as possible. People here are under pressure on a different, on a number of different fronts. We're seeing regular rises in price in electricity, uh, prices that many people simply can't afford. And as a result, we'll be unable to heat, uh, heat their homes and keep their lights on during the winter season. And it's winter. Winter's about to kick in over there. It's already pretty cold. National insurance contributions are also set to rise, and groceries and essential items are getting more and more expensive. All this is taking place while the pandemic still rages around us, and it has. The numbers are up over in uh, Northern Ireland, and I think in England and the UK in general. Uh, anyway, ministers are well aware of the significant hardship being faced by many individuals and families as a result of rising costs. Ministers have made multiple representations to the Westminster government on the need for action, but have so far failed to make any impression on the government. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Overwhelmed GP surgeries on the brink of collapse. Staff quit over uh, verbal abuse. 
Wow. One member heard, heard of a patient's 300 calls. One patient got over 300 calls before they got a reply. And it just, like I said, puts everything in perspective. It's wrong, but, you know, we're, this is like, you know, what they used to say here, you know, God's own country. We sort of seem to be a bit like that compared to a lot of European countries at present. GP surgeries are frequently being pushed to the point of collapse, and a growing number of staff are quitting because of the abuse from uh, patients that has been warned. Solomon's Health Committee was told many doctors had genuine fear for their safety, with the outstretched health service dealing with up to 230,000 patient contacts a week. That's 230,000 a week. It, was, it also warned that the GP's telephone system was not adequate to deal with the patient's needs in the coming months. Dr. Alan Stout, chair of uh, British Medical Association's Committee in Northern Ireland, made a grim assessment after being told of a patient ringing her GP surgery 300 times before finally making contact. Isn't that amazing? 300 phone calls. Uh, it comes as the health service braces itself for, the worst win- uh, for one of the worst winters it has ever experienced so far. Sinn Féin, a uh, member uh, and the local authority, that is, Mrs Flynn, detailed that, that case during the hearing, which was also attended by Dr Lawrence Dorman, chair of the Royal College of GPs in Northern Ireland. When she got through, I mean, she got through after 286 calls. She was told to ring back in 24 hours. Oh, it's all that, you know, just leave your, leave your name and number and we'll, we'll get back to you and we'll be in touch very soon. And It's just it's a sign of the times now, just in, in most countries, I'd imagine, you know, Western countries anyway. It's one of my personal dislikes. I'd rather they're a bit more straight with me. I know it's one of the cases that uh, at the real extreme end, but I... I but I think for people that are having the experience and feeling that disappointing, it is, uh, you know, they're losing faith in the system and who's to blame them. You have said you are fe- uh, fearful for the upcoming winter period. Do you think the telephone management systems that are in place are going to be able to cope this winter? Dr. Stout replied, I will give you an honest answer, and that is no. We, we, we just don't have the people to be able to cope with this. Uh, that example you gave of 268 uh, calls, I can't sit here and defend that. This is not acceptable in anyone's book, and that is a reflection of just how difficult the system is at the moment. Describing the number of telephone calls being made to GP surgeries as phenomenal. Dr. Saad continued, we have over 10% of our population contacting us every single week. 10% of the population, wow. Our contacts range from 200 to 230 contacts per week. Nearly 50% of those are uh, converted to -to face-to-face consultations. That works out at uh, 20,000 per day being seen face-to-face in general practice. That is quite an astonishing number. Dr. Moen said uh, upgrading the system would improve access, but warned additional staff are also required to be able to respond to patients' needs. We don't like people just having to join a longer queue. That's just... Just makes us seem like, you know, I said, like God's own country. We really are doing okay compared to a lot of, you know... In the UK in general countries that we actually sort of follow in many respects anyway that's all for me this week so I'll uh, be, be in touch with you next week until then be kind and take care okay catch you there and don't forget pass this on to anyone that you, you know who's got an interesting Irish, uh, Irish news really okay catch you later see ya support this show and others like it by giving a donation For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.